up everybody my name is mj and you are listening to the one and only mtg in quarantine podcast where the motto is edh community now and always as usual before we get started today i'm going to give a huge shout out to my local game store guardian games you can find guardian games on the web at ggportland.com i'd also like to utilize the opportunity to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash mtg in quarantine so huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, and Coach J-Ro for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine for more information. And you can pick up your very own MTG in quarantine branded playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D gaming.com. Got two really awesome versions, both the full color logo as well as the grayscale version. They both look killer, and you're going to want one for you and all of your friends. So again, you can go on over to Inked Gaming, that's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Every purchase helps support the channel and is greatly appreciated. So yeah, today's episode is just going to be me. Uh, no guests, no nothing, just uh, me, the microphone, and about 15 to 20 minutes of content. So yeah, today's episode is going to be on what I am terming the bulk bin phenomenon. Basically, the thrill of the chase in the unknown that are Magic the Gathering bulk bins. So, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you probably know that I am kind of a trawler through bulk bins. I really make my hay, so to speak, on picking out cards out of bulk bins that are either overlooked, underpriced, undervalued, whatever you want to call them. Basically, I don't necessarily subscribe to the quote-unquote staples theory, where certain decks have to have certain quote-unquote staples to be able to play them. So again, the staples being things like Rhystic Study, Teferi's Protection, um, so many different ones, Demonic Tutor, uh, you know, yeah, it, it just, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the point is, is that there's kind of a joke that, you know, I mean, Cardboard Crack did do a comic lately talking about how do... You build a deck when you have to throw so many staples into said deck, and the the other person, the friend there, basically says, uh, you know, you do realize it's a casual format. You can play any cards you want. And then the person says, I can, and then I can. Yeah, so it's it, it's that sort of thing where I love going through bulk bins and trying to find cards. And I I guess I really got the idea for this episode when I was digging through some bulk bins yesterday searching for, you know, some cards that are probably underpriced for their actual price point online. And it really struck me as I was going through those bulk bins that, you know, I'm not the only person who likes going through bulk bins. But in my experience, going through bulk bins in a way is kind of its own thrill. I mean, I'm, I'm so I'm going to break it down like this. When you go to your LGS, when you go to a card game convention, such as a Magic Con, Command Fest, 
or just, you know, any kind of Comic-Con or something where people are selling Magic the Gathering cards. I feel like you have three different kinds of people who are going to buy cards. You have your person who's there to typically buy sealed. Um, this is the person who is your draft enthusiast uh, who or who's just trying to find chase cards. I mean, obviously, I could do a whole episode on the concept of why Wii's Magic the Gathering players like sealed product because of the thrill of the chase. So maybe I will put a pin in that one for right now. Maybe I'll come back and do a part two of this just on people who love buying sealed stuff. The second one, I would say, are people who are looking for specific cards, probably cards that are in the case. Uh, you know, the, one, the ones that are behind glass, the ones that have particular price points on every sleeve so you know exactly how much a single card costs. And these are going to typically be your staple cards. These are going to be things like Sensei's Divining Top. This is going to be your Kozilex. This is going to be your Wheel of Fortunes, your Power Nine, your Dual Lands. I mean, obviously, I, I kind of just jumped jumped the jumped it a little bit there as like going straight from just you know, like twenty to thirty dollars staples all the way up to thousands of dollars. But the point is, is that there are going to be a lot of folks who are going to buy one, two, maybe three specific cards. They may have some trades with them. A lot of people, a lot of these folks have trade binders and they are potentially going to try to get store credit by trading in stuff they don't use for certain cards in the case that they believe will either go great in their collection or will probably go well in a 60 card or 100 card deck. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about this, but I, I clearly fall in the bulk bin trawler. Uh, category here. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today was the phenomenon about why I love digging through bulk bins. So obviously, I at the outset here, I want to make it very clear that I love trawling through bulk bins because you're never quite sure what you're gonna find. Um, you know, I, I, I could give the Forrest Gump comparison here as like life is a box, box of chocolates, you're never going to know exactly what you're going to find. And I guess that's kind of an apt kind of cliche, I suppose, but a very apt description of how I look at a bulk bin. Because again, a bulk bin can be broken down so many different ways. Uh, some of the bulk bins I've gone through are quote unquote staples boxes. So these are gonna be the kinds of staples that people are probably going to want to pick up for their collection. Um, just trying to go through my most recent trawl through a staples list, I was able to find cards like Sundial of the Infinite, Chandra's Ignition, Bident of Thassa, Ripjaw Raptor, things like that. You know, cards that are very good for what they do, and will probably cost you between 5 to $8 normally, which I was lucky to be able to pick them up for significantly less. So these are the kinds of cards where, you know, they have a nice game-altering effect in some way, and they're aptly called staples, even though they don't really necessarily belong in every deck per the uh, staple rule, the quote-unquote staple rule that most people subscribe to in our community. But again, I mean, there was a good selection of very powerful cards, and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just digging through that particular bulk bin because there was a lot of cards there. It's like, I could use this, but do I really need it? And obviously, I don't buy every card I ever see as, as being awesome, because if I did that, I'd be out hundreds of dollars, and then I have a whole bunch of chaff that I probably wouldn't end up using. So I, have to do, I do have to be a little bit smart about what I'm trying to do there, but that's beside the point. What I really enjoy about digging through bulk bins, and what I'm calling the bulk bin phenomenon here, is, again, you never know what you're going to find. Obviously, in that staples box, I was able the cards I listed off are cards that a lot of EDH players know. These are high commodity, high high com high value commodities. Excuse me. 
that uh, you know have these very powerful effects and people play them a lot. I mean, if we want to take a look at uh, Chandra's Ignition here, I'm gonna go into the EDHREX database here and say that, you know, this card is in almost 48,000 decks on EDHREX right now. So this is a very valuable card. A lot of people play it. It's in 4% of all eligible red decks on EDHREX. And that should kind of tell you that, you know, these are the cards that people want to play because they are very, 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 very good. And, you know, that's one reason why you trawl through bullpens is sometimes valuable cards get stuck in these bins. And, you know, especially before a price spike, let's say, because this card didn't used to be so expensive. But obviously, since it doesn't really receive many, many printings, or maybe it's only had one printing, I don't remember if it's had multiples. But the point is that, you know, a lot of these cards potentially ended up in a bulk bin and were basically not considered valuable before a price surge. So you might be able to find some very, very nice deals on those specific cards because they were thrown in that bulk bin before they really surged in popularity or surged in price, et cetera, et cetera. But what I really enjoy about trawling through bulk bins are the cards that you don't really know you want wanted until you, you find them. So... I'm going to pull out a card here from, from, the, from that particular list here. It's here somewhere. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to start off with this card. So there's a card I pulled out of my most recent trip to bulk bins, and it is called Covenant of Minds. Uh, if you haven't heard of this card, uh, don't be surprised. I hadn't heard of it either, but I picked it up on the cheap because it seemed like the kind of funny card that I, MJ of MTG in Quarantine, would like to become known for because it is so silly. People have to look at the card to understand exactly what it does, and at that point, you've kind of made your day, no matter how you're doing the game. The fact that people are trying to read your cards means they don't know what it does and they've never heard of it before, I think means something. But anyway, Covenant of Minds is a sorcery costing four and a blue, and it says, reveal the top three cards of your library. Target opponent may choose to put those cards into your hand. If he or she doesn't, put those cards into your graveyard and draw five cards. So this sorcery doesn't exactly look assuming, like, like a ton of value, because again, you are revealing the top three cards of your library to all of your opponents. So three people are going to be seeing the top three cards of your library. You obviously get to choose one of them. But they, they get to talk with other people. And there, there's kind of multiple ways to look at this card. Is Yes, I would say that the, the, the floor of this particular card is pay four and a blue at sorcery speed, draw three cards that your opponents know exactly what it's going to be. So, I mean, there is definitely a low floor here is that it could just be three lands. It could be three cards that you can't use. Worse yet, it could be a card that you don't want your opponents to see and your opponents know it's there. But... The important thing here is that if you choose the right opponent and they don't want you to have the cards that are on top of your deck, especially if you've been manipulating the top of your deck, um, you can force them, in, in some ways by politicking, to force you to throw those three cards away and then draw five, in which case you've effectively milled three and then you've drawn five for four and a blue. And this is really important if you're running reanimator strategies, Let's say you're playing a Demir and you drop some like a Villas Broker of Blood into your, and you have it on top of your library. Let's say you tutored for it, or you know it just happens to be sitting there. You have a Sensei's Divining Top on there, and you put it in the top three. You play this. Your opponents are really stuck with an awkward choice, and that's what I love about this particular card. Is 
yes, the floor is super low, but where is that ceiling? I can see that in certain strategies, let's say you have that villa sitting second on top for, for, for your library, right? And you play Covenant Mines, you reveal, let's say, a Swamp, uh, Villas, and a Mana Rock, so let's say an Arcade Signet or something. And your opponents know that you are running a Reanimator strategy. So all of a sudden, are they going to give you that Villas, which they know you have, on top of your library? And you could basically draw that particular card. Or, knowing that you are running a reanimated strategy, are they going to force you to bin it, knowing that you're probably going to draw some piece of reanimation with those five cards you're going to draw otherwise? So, obviously this card has a very high ceiling, a very low floor, but again, I'm a real sucker for those sorts of cards. Is I love these kinds of corner case things where, you know, they're going to blow up in your face a lot, but you know what? I just enjoy them for what they are. They're silly cards. They do silly things. And, you know, occasionally you're going to get a complete blowout of your opponents. So Covenant of Minds, according to EDH Rec, as of recording here, is in only 689 decks across the EDH Rec database. And the top commanders are going to be Atris, Oracle of Half-Truths, Zevlor, Tivit, Tassiger, and Yenet. So, you know, showing a lot of cards here where you're, pro or a lot of commanders here where you probably have some sort of reanimator strategy in mind. Or, you know, Yenit is, is worrying about converted mana cost of a card, which is CMC5, so it makes sense there. Point is that I feel like this card really works well when your opponents don't expect it, or you've already set this up. So again, basically your floor is you're going to draw three lands. Not great. Well, you know, it's it's three cards. You're you're paying five mana, draw three cards with the ability to potentially draw five cards if you have the right setup. Or your ceiling being you draw five cards, you throw three decent cards into the bin, and you can do something with those cards. All of a sudden now it's pay five, draw five, mill three. So that's why I picked that one particular up. I don't know exactly if I have a home for it, but maybe someday I'll just throw this in kind of as a cheeky include in the deck and see how it works. Another card I picked up that, I again, I had not heard of before, before, uh, before going through the book bin, and that is Soul Snare. Soul Snare is an enchantment costing single white mana, and it reads, pay a white, sacrifice Soul Snare, exile target creature that's attacking you, or a planeswalker you control. So obviously this is great in Enchantress decks where you can just drop this, have it sit there, draw a card. I've got to sit this deck, which I don't really play much anymore, but this would be the perfect kind of card to have in there. And the reason I picked this up is because it's just a nice deterrence piece. So if you've heard of the card Standstill, very popular, I believe, in Legacy. Um, basically, no, whenever another player casts a spell, their opponents draw three cards. And I look at it like it's a deterrence piece here. It's a dropping soul snare. You can drop it on turn one. And as long as you have a white mana up and this enchantment in play, your opponents really have to think about if they want to attack you with their best creatures. Obviously, this is best against Voltron decks. Um, this is best against, you know, your Crater Hoof Behemoth type finishers where, let's say, all of a sudden you can exile one of the, one of the creatures attacking you. Point is, it's a really fun little bit of politics. And when I look at this card, it basically says, you know, I have a 50% chance of not working. That is why I'm not an extremely valuable card, monetary-wise. But 
I guess when it comes to Magic the Gathering bulk, I always look on the 50% optimized or on the more optimistic side. So the kind of the glass half full uh, side of things is I love thinking about when cards can actually do the thing, you know, can do something cool. Soul Snare is in over 11,000 decks on EDH Rec, very popular card. And it's also in uh, 2300 Sithis decks. So it kind of shows you that this is a very valuable card. I guess I honestly, I don't know why it's not, um, <laughs> you know, in, in one of my decks already. But anyway, that, that, that's beside the point. Point is, is I love this kind of card because it can just sit there and be deterrent. It's a po very political card. And if you know anything about me and Commander, it's like I just love those kinds of cards where they're not always good. And again, sometimes that gets frustrating, but you really have to think back to, hey, I found this in a bulk bin, I pulled it out and kept it, because, or I pulled it out of the bin and held on to it and paid for it, because I believe that there was something valuable about that particular card that I wasn't seeing before. And again, finding those hidden gems in the bulk bin is really awesome. Because again, you might find some of your new favorite cards in a bulk bin. I've, I've definitely found a lot of really fun cards that, you know, maybe I haven't exactly found a home for just yet, but I always like picking them up when I find them in a bulk bin because they seem like something that I might want to use later on down the road. Obviously, I build a lot of EDH decks, and finding cards that I want to play with eventually or that I see some upside to is really the point why I trawl through those bulk bins, is because I really enjoy digging through, seeing what's out there, and then trying to find a home for it. Obviously, bulk bins can be kind of a pain to dig through. I I go through those all the times when I go to conventions. I basically just go up to some vendors just because they have a bulk bin. Sometimes I just go right by all the valuable cards, and I just dig through the bulk bin because you never know what you're going to find in that bulk box. Obviously, the cards that are in the cases, you're going to see those at pretty much every vendor and event. So last event I went to, let's just say you're looking for a Kozilek Butcher of Truth. I, again, I did mention that earlier. I'm going to use that example again. Every vendor or almost every vendor at that venue is going to have at least one copy of Kozilek Butcher of Truth sitting somewhere in their case. And it's like, you can basically at that point, you can say, okay, this one's $38 versus this one's $36. Okay, condition might be a little different, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe this one's a, a variant printing, you know, uh, use a showcase printing or whatever. But effectively, a card's going to be a card at every single place. Or let's say Worm Coil Engine. That's one that I definitely see at every single vendor. It's roughly the same price. So the thing is, like, if you're going to go up to a vendor and say, hey, I would like I would like to purchase a worm coil engine, they're going to go to their case, they're going to pull out the card and say, this is about $16, this is about $18. And you know exactly what it's going to be, the price is regulated, but you also know that you can go up to any place and find a worm coil engine. But what's fun about the bulk bin is, well, you're probably not going to find a worm coil engine, in there, I mean, if you do, you're extremely lucky that someone probably didn't notice they were putting the worm coil engine in the bulk box, but I digress on that one. What I love about the bulk boxes is you can find cool things that are in there that may be staples, may be expensive cards, but are also super cheap cards. 
Uh, Covenant of Mines, if you look on the TCG player price right now, 17 cents. I paid a little bit more for that. Obviously, because it was in a bulk bin, I probably paid 50 cents for it. But the point is, is that this Covenant of Mines card, it's like, you know, I would never, and this is the important thing to remember about the bulk bin phenomenon, is these are cards that you're probably not going to buy if you were buying online. Let's say you're doing a card kingdom order, right? You're probably not going to say, hey, I'm going to spend the next five hours looking at random magic cards to just throw in my card here at Card Kingdom. You know, you're probably not going to be going through Scryfall or Moxfield and say, hey, that Covenant of Minds cards looks really cool. Because odds are, just like me, you'd never heard of it before. It's, again, it's only in 689 decks. But the fact that you found it in a bulk bin and you stopped and you read the card and then you reread the card and then you said, hey, that's a really cool effect. I wonder if I can find a way to make that work. That is the bulk bin phenomenon in its most purest form, I would say. Is it yes, you can explore cards, you can find new cards on Scryfall. Obviously, I do a lot of Scryfall searches, especially for very niche strategies that I love to run. And you know, there are there are cards from six, seven, eight years ago, let's say, or older, that really work with that particular theme that you've never heard of before, because I've I've only been playing the game for about four years at this point. So I wasn't I wasn't playing when these cards came out. I'd never seen them before, but I know myself as a brewer, and when I see a card like Covenant of Minds or Soul Snare or someone like that, I start seeing potential in those cards that obviously the store owners or the employees and a lot of other players potentially don't. Obviously, Soul Snare is in a lot of decks, but the point is I might use it in a slightly different way than a lot of other players. It works great in Sithis because it's basically a cantrip. Pay one, draw one, gain one life. But when you really get down to it, it's like, okay, what's my metal look like? Are people attacking me with creatures, and how useful is this? It, and again, it's a target creature, so if it has Hexproof or Shroud, it's not going to work. And it obviously has to sacrifice itself to work. So again, that is definitely a downside, Without, but you don't necessarily have to sacrifice a card, not necessarily two for one yourself. But again, I digress on the whole game theory. The point here is that, yes, you can find really good, objectively good cards. You can find your Fervors, your Chandra's Ignitions, Bidens of Thassa, you know, um, Colossal Majesty, going on and on and on in bulk bins. These cards are good, and they're valuable because they are good. But the biggest thing I love about the bulk bin phenomenon, just like I said many, many times, is you're never going to know what you're going to find there until you go through. And that's the thrill of the chase. And I feel like it's the same thrill of the chase you're going to get when you buy sealed products. So I suppose the folks that buy sealed product and the folks who trawl bulk bins like myself are ultimately doing the same thing, is that you never really know what you're going to get until you actually start digging through the product and you hope for the best. Obviously, every time you go through a bulk bin, you're not going to find a card that's 5 to $7 worth of value in a bulk dollar bulk bin or dollar bulk rare box, excuse me. Obviously, you're, you're going to find a lot of cards that you probably don't have homes for or cards that are really not even worth a dollar. They're just kind of thrown in there because that's exactly what the store has. And yes, that does happen. I regret to say that, you know, I don't buy as many bulk cards as I probably could because I typically only like buying cards that I really see potential in. Uh, for my own particular builds. Obviously, there are thousands of cards out there that it's like, yeah, 
for 15 cents, I'd probably take a chance on them. Not not a dollar. It's like this is, you start getting to that dollar range, like, okay, what do I really want to put in my collection? Because I also have a finite space, right? You know, I, I try to keep my entire collection in a single four column box, if possible. So, you know, this, this is the box that I dig from when I'm trying to build decks from scratch using just the cards I have on hand, right? So, I only have limited space available for these kinds of cards. So I want to make sure that I'm not just picking out 35 cards that have maybe two I'll use. I typically go in with the purpose thinking, okay, will this card help a deck that I already have? So again, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that I have a lot of go-to decks. My Kothafed deck, my Alenda deck, my Selenia deck, uh, Avacyn, etc., etc. It's like, do I have a home for this particular card? So with Covenant of Minds, it's basically, I do have a card draw deck with Thassa, God of the Sea. And it's a very fun deck, and Covenant of Minds may not necessarily work for that because that that deck is specifically looking for cards that say draw X cards, right? And Covenant of Minds says put those cards into your hand if those top three cards are chosen. So obviously that doesn't help trigger any of my abilities in that deck. So unless my opponents want to dump the three cards that I've revealed off the top of my library to allow me to draw five, this card effectively doesn't trigger any of the abilities. I put three cards in my hand, but I paid five mana for it. There's better ways to actually draw those cards and reveal them. But I saw enough potential in Covenant of Minds here in a different blue deck. Maybe one that I haven't thought of yet or one that's on the workbench right now. You know, somewhere where I'm saying to myself, hey, I have this really funny card called Covenant of Minds. Where do I put this? And then, oh, hey, there's a fun interaction with X card, Y card, Z card. And all of a sudden, I drop this at a Magic Con or something, and people are just losing their minds over what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) You know? I love those moments where people have absolutely no idea what the card I'm playing is doesn't have to read it, like I said before. And this is the perfect kind of card for that because I had to read it multiple times when I was digging out of a bulk bin. And then I saw that potential, I saw that optimism and the thought that, hey, this might actually work one time. But I actually want to see it work that one time because I'm going to remember this. And that, I think, right there is the real, uh, the real story of the bulk bin trawler is there's going to be a lot of cards out there that you'd love to make work, but you're not necessarily going to buy because maybe the price is too rich for, for that card, or maybe you don't want to spend a lot of money. I was trying to limit myself to $20. So it's basically, hey, how much stuff can I get here in these 50 cent and dollar bulk rares for 20 bucks? So there are a lot of cards in there that I just had to pass by because I realized, hey, there's a whole, whole bunch of other cards I actually really need out of this bulk bin. So I've been able to pull a couple copies of Call the Copper Coats, one of my favorite cards in Magic. It's basically an army in a can. Your opponents play creatures. You pay a little bit of extra mana. You create a whole bunch of dudes. Or, you know, you create a whole bunch of creature tokens. And, you know, I wanted to put those in my virtual shopping cart, let's say. And it's like, okay, you know, these cards are going to cost me $2. Well, all of a sudden now I have $18 more. And, oh, I'm finding the Sundial of the Infinite. Oh, I'm finding Chandra's Ignition. These are cards I actually do have homes for in current decks, and I'm actually saving a lot of money with these cards by not buying them online where they're a lot more expensive. And 
So obviously a lot of bulk cards are going to get dropped off the end here because I have a budget. I'm not going to sit there, dig through bulk bins for hours and then pay, let's say, $200 to buy 300 some cards, right? I would love to, but also that $200 right there would probably buy me cards for a deck I would actually keep around instead of a bunch of cards that are just going to kind of sit there and maybe find a home, but probably not. So that's why I have to be very selective when I go through the bulk bins. But that's not to say that I don't enjoy going through bulk bins. For every Sundial of the Infinite, Thassa's, or yeah, Thassa's Bident, or Chandra's Ignition, there are going to be your cards that you've never seen before and that really excite you. And I know I've been beating Covenant of Minds really into the ground on this particular episode, but it just seems like the kind of card that speaks to me as a jank brewer, as someone who loves making fun stories of Commander games, just because it adds the political spectrum of the game, it adds to the intrigue, forces people to actually read the card. And then it also has kind of a wacky effect and, and an actual legitimate choice um, in, when put in the right deck, uh, forcing your opponents into a very, very tight corner. And again, I just love that about bulk bins is you never know what you're going to find and you're all but you're always guaranteed to find cards you've never seen before. And for me, it really gets the gears in my brain running that, hey, maybe I can find something really cool here that I've never thought of before. You might find the ne your next favorite card in a bulk bin that you've never seen before, but th that really excites you. And while Coming to Minds is probably never going to be a staple for me, I may not, not even ever find a home for it. It's the idea that I found it and I held on to it while there were tons of other cards I could have just, you know, pulled out of, of the stack and thrown Covenant of Minds back in and completely forgotten about it within 24 hours. But there was just something about that card and something about cards that I pull out of bulk bins that are not quote-unquote staples that always speak to me as that jank brewer. It's like, I always want to see something different. I want to see something new. And Covenant of Minds just says, hey, you know, I may have a low floor, but I've also got a really high ceiling in the right moments and don't you want to find out what that can do and i i really love those sorts of cards and that's why i pull these cards out of the stacks and then hold on to them is because i see potential there that a lot of other folks haven't and again i really built my brand on doing just that i built my brand on being pretty budget honestly not necessarily the most budget player but, you know, trying not to run a ton of staples or, you know, running my own staples. So things like call the copper coats, which are not staples in a lot of decks, but are staples in my decks and how I build. So there's, it's very possible that cards like Covenant of the Mines could potentially become a staple of my own building style. And again, you never know until you just say, hey, I've got 20 bucks. I've got an hour of time. I'm just going to start digging through the bulk bins and find what I want. Because you never really know what you're going to find. And once you leave the card shop or leave the convention, you look at the card later, it's like, you know, I don't necessarily know where I want to put this card right now, but I'm going to hold on to it. Something about this speaks to me. And again, that's just what I, what I love about it. So that's the bulk bin experience, I would say. Bulk bin phenomenon is just going in, not knowing what you're going to find, and then being pleasantly surprised by what you do find. And finding some diamonds in the rough and honestly just enjoying flipping through magic cards for, for a long time. Because again, this it, it's really good judgment value. It forces you to think. It also forces you to 
look outside the box, I would say. You know, look outside that proverbial box and say, hey, you know, this card may not necessarily be the best in all situations, but it's pretty cool, and I want to find out what it does. So, yeah, that is the bulk bin phenomenon. I hope I've described my interest in bulk bin and bulk bins enough and inspired you to, the next time you're at a Magic event or at your LGS, inspired you to dig through the bulk bins and try to find cards that you've never heard of that, uh, that speak to you. You know, take them home, sit on them for a bit, think about it, and then hopefully you will throw those cards in a deck of yours and you will soon really enjoy playing those cards. So, yeah, fun fun times, and honestly can't wait to, to trawl some more bulk bins on my end for, uh, for a bit here. Anyways, we've reached the end of today's episode. You know, you if you liked what you heard here today on the MTG and Quarantine Podcast, you can find the entire back catalog on the usual podcast outlets as your Google's Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rockcast, Podcast, Overcast, Breaker, and a million others. I don't remember all of them, but if it's a major podcast outlet, you can probably find my podcast on there. You can also find me on Twitter at, at MTG in Quarantine. I'd like to take this opportunity to give another huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash mtgandquarantine. It's a huge round of thank yous again to Mr. Big Benz, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, and Coach j for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtgandquarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. It's MTG in Quarantine.